You're listening to episode 159 of the Voice in Canada podcast. Hey there, I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, one part physician, one part voice enthusiast, one big part Canadian, and one small part of our community, Northern Voice. Together, let's explore how voice technology is transforming our lives north of the border. And let's talk voice. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. So great to have you along. Uh, this week, again, I have a tremendous guest. This time it is Dr. Joan Palmiter Bajoric. She is the CEO of Women in Voice. And boy, she is doing incredible work in the voice first space. Before we get to that, I do want to just remind you about next week, we have the next session of The Voice Den. It is an online event all about having discussions with some of the leaders in the voice tech space. There are no lectures, no prescribed content. It's all driven by you, the attendee. You get to come on stage, have some fun, ask some questions if you want, or you can just be a fly on the wall, totally up to you. Uh, but in any case, we do uh, have a lot of fun and there's a lot of laughs uh, in the voice den. So I encourage you to check that out. It is uh, generously sponsored by Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So thank you to both of them for their sponsorship. Uh, that's happening next Wednesday, March 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific. Now, getting back to our guest of honor, Dr. Joan Palmer bajorek As I mentioned, she's the CEO of Women in Voice. She comes on today to talk about this community that she has built. She talks about her passion for multimodal skills. Um, she talks about organizationally, how do you grow a community? Lots of great stuff. Again, I have my co-host along with me, uh, Ian Utili. Great to have him here as well. And uh, I look forward to uh, bringing you this discussion. So without any further ado, uh, let's welcome Joan and Ian onto the podcast. Hey there, Joan. How is Hello. it going? Good, how about you? Great, good to see you again. And Good to see you, you too as well, Ian. Thank you for being here, both of you. I am very happy to be here. Hi, Joan. Good to see you. Hey, pleasure to be here. So, Joan, um, we have to start off with some introductions. So, for people watching, we are live. And I should mention, if anybody wants to throw in any comments or questions as we're going along, I'm happy to bring them on screen and bring them into the conversation. But first of all, Joan, um, tell us a little bit about who you are. Hey, everyone. Uh, greetings from Seattle. Uh, my name is Joan. I am best known as the CEO and founder of Women in Voice. Um, I'm also a researcher and a linguist working on the voice ecology, you know, lots of different products in that respect. Amazing. So tell, tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you sort of get into this? Yeah, well, I've been a linguist for a very long time. And during my master's program in linguistics, um, I found out about NLP and I found out about acoustics. And I was thinking about big data and I was just like, this is it, you know, like this, this is what I want to be doing. Like, yes, yes, yes. I'm all in. Um, and from there, partnered with startups, consulted for a lot of different companies, worked at Nuance, you know, working on lots of research product things. I'm doing a lot of uh, really cool consulting projects these days on uh, healthcare IOT and uh, some other awesome things I can't tell you about. <laughs> um, but uh, but the, the future is very bright for our for our field in general. And I just love getting into the nitty gritty, but also talking really cross-functionally. And you know, I, I publicly speak like all the time. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Amazing. You just piqued my interest, I have to admit, with the healthcare IOT stuff. Um, I don't know if there's much you can comment on that at this point. <laughs> 
you know, uh, healthcare apparently has like seven to 10 year product cycles. Um, and you know, I do a lot of public speaking and people are like, Oh, will that exist? Like voice, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm working on it. I'm talking to the teams. <laughs> like this isn't a daydream or like me speculating, like, uh, it will be coming up, you know? Yeah. yeah, well, it's very. I, I well, I agree with you. It's it's extremely exciting, and it's if anything, I think this whole COVID situation has sort of accelerated some of that too. I don't know if you found that with your consulting with these various companies, organizations, well, and making strategic bets. I think a lot of people, twenty twenty, what a year! Can't wait till it's over. Um, but a lot <laughs> of uh, a lot of us are, you know, checking what we're doing, how we spend our time, really centering and saying, "Am I passionate? Is this the right fit?" Um, and a lot of people in my life are doing the same thing. I think companies, especially, I was just speaking with a VC the other day who's been doing reports about which verticals and voice kept coming up as like, oh, we need to upskill in this. We need to find things in this. Um, I think just a lot of people are making strategic bets in those, in those places. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a, a well, very interesting perspective. And you've got a little bit of inside information, obviously, in terms of what these people are doing, which is very intriguing, <laughs> but I won't push it anymore. Uh, <laughs> Ian, let's bring you in here. What are you, what are you, what, any questions for Joan here? What are, th what are your thoughts? Well, I have lots of thoughts. I think what you've accomplished for the industry is really important. So thank you for all that you do. We appreciate it. I think one thing that I would be interested in is as you look forward to the future, the next six months or even more further out the next six years, um, as the CEO of Women in Voice, if we just kind of stayed in that, in that lane, uh, what are you most uh, both passionate and also not just passion, but just logical. Like this is kind of our strategy. Like this is where we're driving because this is what makes sense. And this is where we're driving because this is what makes my heart smile. Could you just talk a bit about uh, where you see things going in the next and just in the future, whether you want to stay kind of near or further out? Yeah, great question. Well, and we're currently doing our annual annual review. It's a nonprofit at a, you know, volunteer run. So that seems kind of silly, but we're really thinking about what is the next 12 months, because I feel like we're flying on rocket fuel right now and you got to have a strategic plan. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were talking to some really big partners, you know, the big tech friends of the world and, uh, you know, 2020 hit, um, but we're just about to finish our nonprofit status. I have three pro bono lawyers <laughs> on this project. Um, and so one of my goals this year has been, how do I formalize? How do I stabilize my team? How do I create better sustainability? Um, so that's kind of slightly boring, but really, really important for the partnerships that my that we, my team dreams about, the different hackathons, events, jobs, career fair, startup arm, VC, research. I mean, we have so many products um, that we're planning to pursue. And so I think um, formalizing, stabilizing, doing boring paperwork to really enable what we can do um, in the coming future. We have so many chapters launching all around the world and how many in beta that I'm reviewing the applications of right now. Um, uh, the, the sky's the limit. I just have to continue to empower my team and we're onboarding more team members regularly. So um uh, slightly exhausting, really exciting. Um, really can't wait to take up a little bit of time um, for the holidays and really make sure my team doesn't burn out. I don't know if you have that at your <laughs> your teams as well, um, but it's really important to recharge. Yeah, that's as well. Point. Laughter, laughter is the key to not burning out. 
You and your <laughs> team can be laughing all the time. It'd be long hours and very difficult hurdles, but laughter does a lot. So that's my that's my personal belief. That's great. I'm also on the gratitude plan. Mm. That has been a, a game changer. Um, I've been doing a gratitude practice every night, and it really reframes, you know, what's important and the importance of my workouts. Honestly, <laughs> about how happy they keep me. Yeah, really, really important too. I'm I'm curious. I, I know there's some other topics we want to talk about, but I gotta I gotta ask you one specific question about women in voice. The, the way that you have grown this in such a short period of time is nothing short of like remarkable. If there was one tip that you could give people, if they wanted to grow a similar type of network or community, is there one, and this may be hard to answer, but I'm going to force you to give me one, one answer here. Can you describe one tip or one piece of advice that you would give these people to be able to have that type of growth for such a worthwhile cause? What would that be? <sighs> okay. Um, People are actually asking me about um, hire me as their growth hackers. So, uh, you know, financial <laughs> okay, special advice um, to give to people. I really think that one of two of our main key things that are just solid is our mission. Like anyone knows what our mission is and our title is super descriptive. They don't have to guess. They know exactly what we do, um, how we position ourselves in the ecosystem. And also the persona of women voice um, has been really solid. Uh, we did a rebrand last year. I don't know if anyone remembers, um, which was very spicy internally, uh, but really thinking about what does the sound, what does the look, who is women in voice public facing? Um, and then that is even magnified internally for that safe celebratory space where you can talk about the heart of the issues. So I think, and I would even also say a, a feedback I get regularly um, is, whoa, y'all are so technical. Like we are surrounded by powerhouses. It's it's not a fluffy, like let's throw sparkles kind of place. We love throwing sparkles, uh, you know, in an environmentally friendly way. But like it, it's, we love the work. We love the work. And so I think those, I would even say that triad of like super mission driven, celebratory persona that apparently resonates with lots around the world. I'm grateful. Um, and then also that, um, that technical aspect that, I mean, I learn all these cool things that other people are doing in India, in the Netherlands, you know, all around the world. I'm just like, that's so cool. Like, let's be friends. I want to learn more. Um, so I, I feel that jazz, jazzy feeling lots, lots. That's great. Oh, that's a great answer. I think it gives people a really good, good idea. Ian, you wanted to, I, yeah, yeah I have a question. Cause you know, when you build a community the way that you have, one thing that does happen is all of these new friends. And the friendships are authentic friendships, but they're also new friendships. And there's a lot of them and they're all at once. And you can make a lot of friends in one given time or one given meeting. So can you talk a little bit about how you're managing your relationships and your relationships in kind of this new community that you oversee and, and how that kind of impacts things? Because I think a lot of times when people want to build a community, they don't recognize how much relational intelligence they're going to have to have. Now they're going to have to kind of regulate how they decide to let people into their lives and what it looks like for that to be work-related and purpose-driven or just because you connect with another. Could you talk a bit about just the relationship aspect of building a community the way that you have? Oof, okay. Um, well, I, I think I think a lot about people who are like my best friends and my family, you know, like there's that inner core. And then I have friends who, you know, 
hear about my hidden worries and secrets and I, I ping for, you know, really, really good advice. And, and I would include my mentors in that circle. And there's obviously kind of more periphery of, you know, really great acquaintances that I really respect and admire. And then there's, you know, yahoos from the internet you who ping me on a regular basis. And uh, I think really making sure to keep the, the private Joan and the professional Joan like I do, it's the weirdest thing. This happens more and more pre-COVID that people would just like come up to me at conferences and hug me or like say like, I already know you. Um, and it's it's like slightly endearing and creepy both. Um, so I think just really staying true to myself of who I am at home, you know, <laughs> here in my apartment um, and also who I am at, on the stage at CES, right? Those, those are people that exist, um, but making sure to sleep, foster that private self, in addition to maintaining and growing this network of friendships. And also, how do I enable and empower other people to learn how to network better, to make those connections, to believe in themselves, to reach out to people they want to reach out to. Um, I'm an extrovert. I'm gregarious. I love talking to people. It's my happy place to meet more people, but that's not everyone's happy place. And I think respecting that, but also pushing my mentees and pushing my team to um, feel comfortable and saying you can be in any room. Like the worst thing that you get is like a silence or a no. You may as well ping them and see if they're interested in, in that conversation. So, um, and, and the cool thing is our community is so open and vibrant right now. I think a lot of people are hoping for those intros and excitement. So um, I have a huge Rolodex and just, you know, stay in contact with people. Hearing you speak about that, like, it, I mean, there's no surprise to me, or I'm sure to Ian or to anybody listening to this, that like how successful voice, uh, women in voice is just because of your personality and the way you approach things. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. So congrats for everything. Thank you. So, um, I want to shift gears because I know another topic that is near and dear to your heart when it comes to voice, a little more technical is multimodal aspects of voice. Why is that so important to you? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I know in our field, we really love this voice first concept, um, which I do think is pushing people to think differently and pushing the tech, frankly, about people like, whoa, I could only speak to this device and that would work. Um, I think is wonderful. But as I think about, and it could be multimodal, we could call it integrated. There are so many words for that. And I'm, I, the jargon is less important to me. But when we think about inputs and outputs that we're designing, and I'm talking to teams who are working on haptics. I'm talking to teams who are working on gesture and AR, right? Like it, the use case, it matters about the context, like the sky's the limit. Like I, I, I think almost voice versus maybe too limiting. And I hope that we are pushing our, the way we think about the future of all these products, as well as the jargon we use, you know, on Twitter. So I'm, I'm very passionate about the multimodal stuff. I gotta say. That I love that perspective because when I when I think multimodal, the first thing that comes to mind is voice and a screen. And mm. just hearing you say that, like there's, yeah, it makes sense. There's so much more than voice and screen. And, and for me, it comes down to which senses are we using? We're using our mm -hmm. ears to hear. We're using our eyes to see. But just what you said, like haptics, now we're using touch and gestures. Yeah. Um, you know, could there, could at some point, could we incorporate smell into technology? Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> it's just, that's what I think of when I think of multimodal, I think of senses. Um, mm. So it's very interesting to hear, to hear that take on, on, on 
haptics and so on is yeah go ahead go ahead what are your thoughts well it's hard to build i mean i talked to a lot of people who are like oh that is a really sophisticated system you're talking about right like i'm not talking about something dinky i'm talking about something that's polished and awesome and i think we even saw that um, i was a judge for the alexa conversations competition recently i don't know if you saw the winner um phenomenal I, I can't remember the name of it i'm kicking myself now um but an, an integrated experience that had visuals it had tons of awesome sounds. Mm. It, it was a voice-enabled experience related to, um, I believe, the Chicago Museum of Art. We'll have to look this up after. But like, really well thought out, built-in API. It was a phenomenal experience, and I was just, um, you know, as a judge, this is exactly what I'm hoping to see in the future. So, um, you know, really thoughtful, as you mentioned, like all the sensory experience of, you know, hearing the, the feet on the steps. You know, like the experience of hearing um, the titles of the art being said out loud in French, right? Like just really thoughtful user experience that was created. That's amazing. That's amazing. Ian, thoughts on that? Well, thoughts on that. I mean, I, I agree and I'm glad that you have, they're using your voice the way that you are to talk about the need for multimodal. I think it got me thinking about the different potential um, things that are most important and least important in success. And so maybe tying or springing off of that, let me ask this question, because this is what's on my mind. If there were three different things that were a key to success, whether it's development of great, excellent multimodal uh, technology or anything that you or your peers or your friends or those that you mentor are interested in. If there's these three key things, money, ambition or you could tie ambition to courage or the willingness to take risk and ability what do you think is most important to success in our industry and what's least important between having the resources having the ambition and having the knowledge and know-how and to accomplish that what a question uh, so the choices this is one of these key problems so we got yeah choices is, is money yeah money, money ability or willingness <laughs> courage risk right mm -hmm. so money ability and willingness to try well i, I will say at women in voice we are you know 100 bootstrapped and 100 uh, volunteer run so that that might give you an indication of, of some of the things that i you know um have, have seen scale with utterly no problem um and I might frame it back to you. I don't know that I have an answer for you on that one, but I frame a similar question that I ask a lot of people is about kind of strategy versus execution. Mm. Um, for example, I recently talked to a CTO who I think the world of, um, but in 45 minutes could not articulate what the product or vision was for the next three months. And that scared me because if you, this person who is wildly capable, execution, you know, MVP, building out those pieces can be done. But if you don't have the vision and you don't know where you're headed to on the horizon, you know, um, there, there's gonna, there are gonna be a lot of stumbles, I think, along that route. So I think you need a healthy dose of both and you can't get stuck too long in strategy and never execute. Right, you can't be doing execution and never see the horizon. So I think it, that's a lot of how I frame the similar types of projects. But um, none of us like to be so bootstrapped. And I think anyone can upscale. Like related to kind of the um, ambition versus getting it done. 
I mean, just right now, the number of people in boot camps, the number of people taking conversational design courses, the number of people who are pivoting or like, I see a lot of um, zigzags. I listen to the zigzag podcast and just people like, like, I feel like as, as lacrosse or like soccer player, you know, like uh, figuring out what the right fit is. And I certainly see that in my own career of, of really being like, okay, this, and then this, um, and then this cool side project. And then that might manifest as something completely bigger. You know, you, you really don't know. So, and did that, I don't even know if that barely covered where you were headed. No, I, I think you just, you, you took my three ideas and you made it about execution strategy and spoke to that. And I agree with what you're saying. And that makes sense. And, and again, because you're running a nonprofit and you're running a community, your ability to have financial resources is limited. So a lot of what matters most is what is the vision, the strategy, the ambition, and what's the ability or how are we executing on that? And so that's kind of the world that you're living in because those are the two lanes that you've had to drive in order to have the success that you have. Yeah. And I will say though, I mean, cause it's been a little over two years of scaling, you know, super fast being bootstrapped this long is not sustainable. And that's something my team and I have really talked about this year. Um, so we are, when we sign this final nonprofit status, we are talking to corporate sponsors and partners across the board. Um, but when you're a nonprofit, it's not about the profit margins. Like <laughs> we need an operating budget for some basic software, you know, things like this. Um, so they're just some like, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be made rich off of women in voice in a monetary way. But one of the things I talk to my team a lot about is I'm paying you in something that's different from money as a currency. You know, we are, we have a network like this is pretend, hopefully, I think hopefully serving your career as well as your internal um, growth. I've seen so many people on my team who could barely speak confidently on a meeting, like they're leading the meeting to right now when they are delegating, negotiating, getting stuff done. And I'm just so proud and honestly seeing the C-suite of the future, mm. you know? That's so um, it's really, really exciting. I've had a lot of discussions. Like I, I, I see you as a CTO in the future. Would you like to have a conversation about that? Um, so, uh, you know, really pushing people about wh where they see themselves and where I see them potentially being in the future. That's amazing. Well, again, That's congratulations all that. Thank you. Um, well, we want to be respectful of your time, Joan. Um, so maybe we'll just close with this one last last question that I'm asking um, the voice influencers on the show. And that's this. Again, we're really fortunate that you're going to be joining us on November 14th. Um, I, you know, you may have already spoken about this, but if there was a question that an, a participant, an attendee was going to ask you to mm -hmm. answer on the show, what would that be? What would be your sweet spot that you want to speak about? And it can't be multimodal stuff. <laughs> oh, well, it could be. No, that's why I was saying you kind of addressed this a little no, bit, no, I think, no. already today. But what, yeah, I mean, what are you really passionate about? I think that that's kind of what I was getting at. And if that's what it is, that's great. So. I think it would probably be about um, that. And I think something I'm daydreaming about a lot, or daydreaming, I use this in a very big, like, strategic vision kind of daydreaming, um, the verticals that we are going to see next. Like I think a lot about Bradley Metrock's work and kind of, you know, a conference specifically about finance, you know, and really thinking about the verticals and what we can learn from each other, but also things that are distinct. Um, as I'm currently talking to lots of different teams in lots of different verticals, I'm like, oh, I guess I could consider, you know, a career down this path. Sure. Um, I think there's, I'm really looking forward to, I'd be happy to be asked a question about what are we going to see in different verticals that is, you know, 
sovereign to a vertical versus across many. Um, so I think that's a, something I am thinking about keenly. Perfect. Thank you. Where can people go to learn more about you or follow along with what you're doing? LinkedIn and Twitter. Perfect. Do you want to give out your Twitter handle just so people know? And yeah, then... my my Twitter handle. If no, no one can spell my name, and you pronounced it right, Terry. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, my Twitter handle is Joan Bajoric, um, and my LinkedIn handle I think is Dr. JPB. All right. If I can remember correctly. Perfect. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Joan truly is one of the leaders in this uh, voice community. So uh, if anything that she said resonated with you, that I do encourage you to please reach out to her. She is extremely welcoming. And I know that she would be only too happy to connect with you. You can check that out at voiceincanada.ca slash podcast or your favorite podcast player. And finally, again, a quick reminder, next week is The Voice Den, The Voice Den Session 11, March 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific. It is free thanks to the generous sponsorship of Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Uh, I would love for you to join us there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got five incredible voice fluencers on the show. Uh, that you will have the opportunity to speak with. And we will be following that up with an after show party, uh, if you will, on Clubhouse. So I hope that you will join us for that as well. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will talk to you again very, very soon. Take care.